Hello, and welcome to 13, a podcast that asks 13 questions of Colgate University community members. I'm your host, Dan DeVries, and today I'm excited to be joined by Laura Festine, who is Director of University Grants and Sponsored Research here at Colgate. And we're going to kind of have a wide-ranging discussion, not only about grants. Um, I know we don't want to put everyone to sleep. I feel like if you hear the word (laughs) grant, it's like, ugh. But um, these are really important things that fuel um, a lot of very exciting research and a lot of opportunities on campus, um, both for students and faculty um, and administration as well, I presume. So we're going to get into the grant game at Colgate. So Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself and your job here at Colgate. Thanks, Dan. I don't want to put anyone to sleep either. Perfect. I hope that we we don't do that. I have to be honest, though. People have been asking me when I'm going to do this show for oh. ages. That's right. There they is a long line of people that, that want to get on. People have been waiting for the Grants 13 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have been director of the Grants Office since last summer, July 2022. I've worked in the Grants Office since 2018. I've worked at Colgate since 2014. Um, The Office of University Grants and Sponsored Research has two functions on campus. The first is faculty-sponsored research, which is exactly what it sounds, is we help Colgate's faculty apply for grants in support of their research. It's exactly that. Institutional grants are grants for programs, departments, opportunities, strategic initiatives, other campus priorities, things that support what we want to do on campus. It could be for financial aid or the German department or a program that we're doing. Could it be a podcast? It could be a podcast. Do you want me to look for grants for podcasts? Uh, For some reason, I feel like that's – sure, I'll find you a grant for a (laughs) podcast. That's what I tell people when I think there isn't a grant. Sure, I'll find you a grant for that. Um, (laughs) Grants for everyone. Um, And so that's what we do. We help faculty and we also um, help support in in the same way that an individual gift from a donor would support a program, a grant could support a program. In many cases, an institutional funder is, is what we call a foundation or an agency. An institutional funder would like to help start a program on a campus that then the campus has the capacity to sustain. So a good example of that at Colgate is sophomore residential seminars. That initially started with funding from the Mellon Foundation, and now it's something that Colgate has committed to and has kept up, and I think that it's it's been pretty successful. So hmm. that's one instance in which something starts with a grant. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So give me a broad picture um, every year. How much money comes into the university as a result of grant funding? That's a good question. It's not that simple just to tell you a number, whereas we could say maybe, you know, in a given year, parents, Colgate parents donate so many million dollars and Colgate alumni uh, give so many million dollars. With grants, typically, historically – for faculty-sponsored research, it's been about $2.5 million. And for institutional grants, typically, historically, it's been $1 million. But it it changes. And when we focus on the dollars, on the money, you are putting weight 
in certain areas more so than others. So if we think about it in terms of dollars, we're putting much more value, let's say, on the division of natural sciences and math. Because folks in that division, so departments, biology, physics and astronomy, chemistry, geology, when they apply for a grant, they kind of need more, more funding. In some cases, they need equipment that costs tens of thousands of dollars. They need four or five research assistants who are undergraduates here. That costs money. They're taking time to do this. They're traveling. Maybe they have collaborators across the country or across the globe. So those grant budgets are in the six figures, sometimes up to $300,000 or more over the course of three years. If you're a historian or someone in the social sciences, and in some cases, you might just need money to go to a library. Sure. And yeah. so it's it doesn't cost as much. Um, and so when you talk about the dollar amount, you're almost always putting a bit more value on a particular on particular disciplines compared to others, which I don't think we we really want to do. For institutional grants, it's also hard to say if the dollar amount makes a difference in terms of the value of what you're doing. So for instance, we just received a grant from the Emerson Foundation, which is out of Auburn, New York. They support um, programs and initiatives at, at private higher education institutions in upstate New York. We got a $25,000 grant to build a greenhouse at the community garden. That's not a ton of money, but this greenhouse is going to help us produce food for a longer duration during the growing season that will then be donated to the Hamilton Food Cupboard and and distributed to local local families. You can't really say that's not as great as, say, a several hundred thousand dollar grant like sophomore residential um, residential. What was that? Seminars. Seminars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that grant? Um, so I'm just trying to get an idea of the scope. Like yeah, the, how much the scope money comes in, and and how does it work? So some of these are multi-year grants. Some of them might be one shots, right? Yep. Is, is that how it works? And and then how do you determine what is available? Number one, mm-hmm. like is there some kind of grant clearinghouse that all grant people go to to find these things? And then how do you determine? Um, which program or which faculty member or which initiative um, is going to go out to get that funding? It happens a couple of ways. Sometimes our office brings things to the appropriate either faculty member or administrator. We work very closely. We report up through the provost and dean of the faculty's office. Um, So I meet regularly with with the dean's office to talk about grant opportunities that might fit something we're doing or that we know we want to do. Um, For faculty research, our faculty typically knows what they are eligible for. Um, They know who could give them funding to do what they want to do. In some cases, they, they don't. They work with us. We're always just, it's kind of the nature of our business, getting notification about opportunities that are available for grant funding. But it's a combination of people coming to us saying, I heard about this great opportunity and us going out to others saying, hey, we should we should do this. Or I just learned, you know, as, as projects arise on campus, we're always thinking, oh, there's a funder for that, hmm. which is exciting. It's like matchmaking. <sighs> Matching 
what our kind of goals and objectives are with that of a funder is is kind of the matchmaking aspect of of grants work realizing this is like asking your favorite color or something but like yeah. what what is or what do you feel is the most significant or the, what is the one grant that came in that you are most proud of that made the most impact on campus M- made the most impact on campus i mean i don't know i think that are that that grants that go toward uh, financial aid are you know it's hard to argue with that sure. is making this accessible for students um, it otherwise wouldn't be um, yes absolutely grants and fin- financial aid grants it's it, those are easy asks it's really easy to write about financial aid and it's I feel like easy to convince people to invest in in future Colgate students. One grant that <laughs> this wasn't big. I mean, it was kind of big for us, but it was a big project for our office and that it was an interesting exercise for me the first time I, I did something like this was a capital project grant for, for the Olin Hall renovation and oh, expansion. Which is going on right now. Which is going on right now. Um, and that was fun because it was a very kind of um, traditional funder of private higher education capital projects, the George I. Alden Trust out of Worcester, Massachusetts. And we put together a really compelling and honestly beautiful proposal for them. Now, um, wait, well, hold on. Hold yeah. On. What is a compelling and beautiful grant proposal? What what makes something compelling and beautiful in, in the grant world? Compelling is when you describe a need mm-hmm. um, and you describe the way you've decided to meet that need and how all of that connects to the mission of of the funding agency. Um, and so this really was the right project for the Alden Trust. They have an interest in not just helping campuses improve their science facilities, but helping campuses do things that will affect many students. And so the kind of... It, I wouldn't call it an argument, but the case that we made was that the departments that are housed in Olin Hall, um, biology and psychological and brain sciences, we have a lot of students go through that building. Um, Something I think it's like three quarters of the student body will take a class in Olin Hall over their four years at Colgate. And so a renovation and an expansion of that building – really touches many, many students. And so we knew that that was the right project for them. Whereas, you know, if we had a department that took up a whole building, and we probably wouldn't, but say a department that took up a whole building that only had 20 majors, it might not, you know, be the best place to bring to the Alton Trust. But we knew that biology and psychological and brain sciences, the renovation expansion of Olin Hall was perfect for them. It was beautiful because Dan... We had all the architectural renderings. We had all the new floor plans. We showed them the previous floor plans, and we put it in a spiralized, like, notebook with a beautiful cover letter, and it was lovely, and we FedExed it to them. And so it was fun just physically putting (laughs) – So how many schools are you competing against for something like that? I don't know. They don't tell you? No. I would call it competitive, 
um, but we're competitive. And so we, we had, with this project in particular, it really was perfect for them. How would that project look different if you didn't receive that grant? Um, well, truth be told, it probably wouldn't. The, the grant from the Alden Trust was not a make it or break it deal for the Olin Hall renovation. And we have um, uh, Robert H.N. Ho, class of 56, to thank for that. He um, contributed the lead gift to that project that got it off the ground. So the Alden Trust grant really was, you know, just like an extra a nice thing. It's good to... It's good to continue to engage with traditional private funders of schools like this. Um, Colgate's fortunate in that we have um, a donor base who who really wants to help move the university forward and can make gifts like that. Hmm. Um, but it, it probably would have. The grant from the Alden Trust was $175,000, which it does not sound like much, but that's a bigger grant from the Alden Trust. Are there grants that you have chased for years and haven't landed or you're hopeful that you will land eventually? Like is there something like like the white whale of grant funding? Like what is that for your office? You know, I don't know. Grants come through a number of channels. We sometimes submit, you know, unsolicited inquiries to a funder. Um, saying, hey, we have this program. We think it matches with what you're doing. Um, let's talk. And most of the time that's not successful, but sometimes it can be, and you should never stop trying that. Um, and then sometimes a foundation proactively works with you because they want to work with your institution. If they happen to know you're doing something, that happens. Hmm. Sometimes things happen kind of through relationships that we have. Um, I think a white whale of a grant is something that would allow us to do something that we otherwise wouldn't. And so I guess I'll I'll pile on to that question in addition to like the elusive grant that you've wanted yeah. for a long time is do grants ever create the the program or the initiative on campus? So like generally you have an idea or a faculty member has an idea or students or something like that and they go out and they look for funding for it. Mm -hmm. Is it is there ever a case or are there examples of cases where the funding led to the actual um, program on campus? Yes. And that happens at other schools all the time. We don't want to do that. Gotcha. We don't want to do something that wasn't our idea that we didn't don't think we need to prioritize at this point of, in time. If you chase the money, you're going to move away from what you've laid out as your kind of strategic priorities. So right now we have the third century plan, which is a roadmap for grants. We're not going to raise money for anything that's not on the third century plan right now. Um, there are a lot of grant opportunities for programs at, at private institutions of higher education that I do not think that we will pursue because they're not in that plan. And, and we know what we are interested in pursuing here. I think that it could be troublesome for an institution to chase the money because it 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 means that you don't know what you're trying to do. Um, and it could create more work for you down the road. And so that it's great that we have a framework for what we want to do. It's great for grants. It means that we are 
you know, maybe not pursuing some things, but that's okay. You know, there are private funders right now who are interested. I'm thinking of the Teagle Foundation. It's curricular stuff um, in ways that doesn't necessarily match up with what we're doing um, that we don't need to do. So we're not pursuing it. Or, you know, some places have programs on transfer pathways. We don't have an initiative right now to welcome more um, community college transfer students to Colgate. Should we do that just because there's a grant for it? I don't know. I mean, that's for other people to decide. But I don't believe that's, you know, currently in our in our strategic plan. So I don't think that's something I would bring to the dean's office and say, hey, how about this? I think I know what the answer would be. So what's the process if somebody has an idea that they want to get funded? Like, what do they do? They, the- come, they come to us. It depends on who it is and what it's for. If it's a faculty research grant, um, they typically don't have to tell anybody until folks are approving it before submission. Before things are submitted, we like everybody to look at it. So that means their department chair, the division director, the dean's office. If there's money in the grant budget for um, a temporary position, we like to have HR look at it. Sometimes people use hazardous materials, so we'll have somebody look at it before that, or human subjects or animal research, we'll have the appropriate folks look at it. Um, If it's an institutional grant or a grant for a program, and it's, you know, uh, an academic department or an office that falls under the provost and dean of the faculty, they'll almost always be in conversation with the dean's office first. Um, if it's in student life, they'll probably talk with um, the vice president um, for student life, Paul McLaughlin, first or someone on his staff. Um, and so – or I'll let them know I'm talking to someone about a grant. But, yeah, that's called the development stage. Okay. We'll talk about it. And I have these meetings all the time. Like just yesterday, uh, I met with – the director of the Picker Art Gallery, because he would like to pursue grant funding for, sorry, he's the co-director of University Museums. Um, And he'd like to secure funding for an exhibition, symposium, and catalog um, for a collection that we have here. Um, And so that's just kind of how these conversations always start. Hmm. Yeah. What are some of the most recent grants that have come in to Colgate, and what have they... um... Uh, what have they done on campus? Mm-hmm. Um, what have we been awarded recently? Uh, how about the Max Cade Foundation? Cotta. Uh, Max Cotta Foundation. What What is that? Um... They're a German foundation, hmm. um, and they support German language instruction at, at colleges and universities, and and we appeal to them almost every year to support our German language teaching fellows. Hmm. How about the Lindsay and Olive B. O'Connor Foundation? They're a local foundation. Um, We have some alumni connections there, though you don't need to have um, an alumni connection there. Um, Some of the descendants of um, a Lindsay and Olive B. O'Connor graduated from Colgate in, I think, around the – mid-20th century, the they support financial aid. So 
I think it's easy to think of all these foundations and organizations that fund things as being really benevolent and helpful to, to what happens on campus. Is there a list of places we won't do business with for one reason or another? Are there nefarious uh, grants out there that are funding things we wouldn't want or uh, to support? Like, I'm genuinely curious about this. Like, do we have a list of people like, nah, we're not working with them? Um, n- no, we do not have a list of people that we won't work with. I think that the question you bring up is one of eligibility. So mm. there are some foundations that we simply – aren't in a position to work with. Okay. So w- when you're applying for a grant, sometimes the first question is, well, am I even, am I, is Colgate eligible to apply for it? And so what that means is they will put limitations on who they'll work with. So we're a private institution of higher education in upstate New York. Um, and we're not a historically black college of university or university we're not in, you know, Southern California, um, and we don't do <laughs> wait, clinical research. Wait, wait. So, what does Southern California have? Well, my point is is that often geographic region plays oh. a role in whether or not a foundation will support you because gotcha. sometimes institutions, like to, they like to keep their money kind of local, you know? Sure. So that's why when we were, we've talked about a couple of foundations in this conversation, I say, oh, they're local. They're a local foundation, like the Emerson Foundation, the O'Connor Foundation. The Alden Trust only supports colleges, universities in the Northeast. So where we are matters. Who we serve matters, um, whether we're public or private matters. Um, and what else kind of matters? Do we have more or less opportunities based on where we're located? We have fewer Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it limits. I mean, it. if you were, say, an arts organization in a city like Philadelphia, you probably have quite a few um, opportunities to fund your arts organization. Um, we, are, we are a rural, private, what would be considered in the higher ed space wealthy institution. Um, and... And that, and that in itself kind of limits us. There's a trend right now to help institutions who kind of who, who don't have, let's say, um, the fundraising capacity that Colgate has. So smaller private liberal arts colleges that are more susceptible to, say, showing a deficit, mm. um, who might be on the brink. You've heard of smaller private institutions closing. I mean, Casanova College just closed up the road. I don't think that in the past couple of years an institutional funder would have felt good about giving money to Casanova College because I think the the writing, unfortunately, was on the wall for a while. But let's think of, you know, some other institutions that don't have as large an endowment, don't have an as, as large an endowment as Colgate. So like University of Puget Sound or Kalamazoo or, you know, smaller private institutions are getting more in grant funding. Okay. Look at Mackenzie Scott. She's she's granting – I mean, she has philanthropic advisors telling her who to give money to, and they're probably not telling her to give money to Colgate. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a big trend right now. Why should they give money to Colgate? 
well, we, we're still trying to do really important things, and I think the access and opportunity is is really important. And what we can offer students is a really special educational experience. I don't know. I don't know why we wouldn't want to make that um, available to as many people as possible. I think that she's probably giving money to. School Schools who don't have as much donor support as Colgate does. We know that that people really love Colgate and want to support Colgate to make sure that this is available for future generations. I think that that people like Mackenzie Scott and foundations who are focusing on schools that historically have been, let's call it, underfunded. So the Mellon Foundation is now funding underfunded schools um, that they historically haven't worked with. I think they're they're just kind of focused there. It seems to me in the grant world, like, you know, everybody has a finite amount of funding to give out. And um, by focusing on a particular area or a particular subject or a particular region, you can maybe affect more change as a result. That seems to be the goal, right? Yeah. So how do we, I guess, go about determining where new funding opportunities when they arise, do they advertise to us or um, do you kind of just find out through your networks or? um, Yeah, it depends. I mean, if it's a state funding opportunity, we're on on email lists for that. And a couple of us around here get those. If it's private funders, you know, sometimes we're on their list. So we'll get um, an invitation or information from a program officer of, of a private foundation. Government grants, um, our federal government grants are all listed on grants.gov and we get updates there. Um, people who who work here, they hear, you know, what's available. Um, if there's a new program, we're, we're very connected to other grants office. I mean, this is a very strange community, grants officers at private liberal arts colleges. Uh, we're a close community and we share information with each other because we think it helps everybody out. Um, and so that's how we kind of keep a tab on on what's going on. All right. What are you most excited about um, in, the, in the years ahead? Um, I think I'm excited for some of the the buildings that are going to come online and we're going to see what will be happening in them. So right now we're talking about the Olin Hall renovation and expansion. Once that comes online, that should be huge for for everybody, for all the users of that building. The Benton Center, um, I'm really excited to see what happens um, in there uh, and they just put the roof on it, and it looks really cool. But I'm also excited to to see what they're doing with other parts of the middle campus um, and, and, and see how those parts develop, what they're going to do with Dana, um, what we're going to do with the Picker Collection. Um, that's, that's really exciting to see because, uh, like, the buildings are nice, but the programs in the buildings are, are – are kind of where the magic's going to happen. Um, I'm excited to see what the students will do and and what the faculty will feel like they can do now with these new facilities. It's pretty exciting to see. So I think we've made it to question 13. Oh, okay. Really? Uh, we yeah, did? We did. I always like to end with something a little different. Okay. So what 
grant doesn't exist that you wish did? What What is something that you wish you could apply for and, you know, uh, be approved and receive tomorrow? Like if you had had the option to do anything. As I said earlier, it's hard to argue with financial aid. Sure. Um, All right. I mean, a grant that like would benefit me. (laughs) (laughs) No, like at Colgate. Oh, at Colgate. Well, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Sorry. It's all about me. Um, (laughs) A grant that would benefit Colgate. Yeah. I think, I think, I think something that would be kind of transformational around financial aid would be really good. Um, You know, we have a long-term strategic framework. Long-term is is hard, I mm. think, for those of us in the middle of it because it's like, oh, I want this to happen now. Um, it would be kind of cool if we could just do it all in five years. <laughs> but it's going to take 100. So, I'm going to add on to that. So, yeah. So also what would be the most – I don't want to say bizarre, but what is the strangest thing you think has been funded uh, as a result of your work here? As a result of my work, yeah. the strangest thing? Or, I don't funded? know if strange is the right word or the, the most um, surprising thing to be funded. Like, was there anything you were like, oh, I can't believe we got money for that? Oh, well, you know, this, I don't want to, I'm not saying anything negative about it. It right. just kind of made us chuckle. The folks in sustainability applied for a grant for I think a golf cart it was like some state opportunity it had something to do with composting or recycling forgive me I don't remember the details of this but they basically got a grant to to buy a new golf cart and I told uh, John Pumilio the director of the office of sustainability I think I told him I want to be able to have access to this golf cart. Uh, me too. Whenever I can. Because you see the director of athletics like yeah, yeah. driving around on a golf cart. Yeah. I kind of think that would be nice because we're on a hill. <laughs> um, but yeah, a golf cart this past year. Right. And it wasn't a lot. I think it was like $5,000 or something. But... Like hauling mulch? Yeah. So, yeah. Like I, I think it was for composting, but we got a golf cart. And that was shortly after they got the greenhouse. So it's like, oh, my God, we got a golf cart and a greenhouse. This is, this is interesting stuff. I never knew. I had no idea that that's what we were going to be doing. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the program today. It was really great chatting with you. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about grants, and I hope everyone else did too. We so. always have fun. I'm so glad yes. that this finally happened. Me too. I'm very glad as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, tell your friends and family about the podcast, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, and until then, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications and Events. Episodes are recorded on campus in Lathrop Hall. Executive producer, Colgate Vice President for Communications and Events, L. Hazel Jack. Producer and host, Dan DeVries. And audio production by Brian Ness. Learn about all the happenings at Colgate at colgate.edu, colgatemagazine.com, and colgateresearchmagazine.com.